Uh, well, this morning, I want to look at two things, two questions uh, that here today. And the first one is this. What does it mean to grow as a disciple? You walk into churches, it doesn't take long before you start hearing things about discipleship or growing in your faith, growing in your relationship with God. Here at Celebration Church, we've got these three values that make up who we are. We say, be real, belong, and become. Uh, when we say become, what are we talking about? We're talking about becoming all who God has created us to be. So what does it mean to grow as a disciple? That's the first thing we'll look at. The second one is this. How then do we grow as a disciple? How do we develop in our relationship with God? How do we become all that God's created us to be? So the first one we'll look at today is how do we grow? Or what does it mean to grow as a disciple? Like, what exactly are we growing? Are we talking about growing a fine mustache? Are we talking about growing a beard or muscles? You know, for some of us, we're growing six-packs. Others of us, we grow kegs, you know? But what exactly is it that we're growing here? Well, what I'd like to suggest is that there's a word that describes really well what it is we're growing when we say grow as a disciple. And it's this word right here, faith. Faith is what grows in a relationship that's getting healthy. When you get close in a relationship, so does your faith, so does your trust of that person. And this is all about confidence in God. That God is who he says he is. That he is the Lord of Lords. That he's the King of Kings. That he is God, the one true God. That he is our shelter. That he's our provider. That he's our deliverer. That he is our comforter. That he is God. And that he will do exactly what he's promised to do. Do you have faith this morning in God? Faith, or you might say trust, is the foundation of every life-giving and every healthy relationship. You look at the relationship between like husband and wife. Some of you might relate to this a little bit. My, my wife, she is the notoriously 15 minutes early girl for everything. She loves to be early. Early means you're on time. On time means you're late. So she loves to be early. Now me, on the other hand, apparently I was attracted to opposites because I am the notoriously 15 minutes late guy. I am 15 minutes late for everything. I'm 15 minutes late. It doesn't matter. It just happens. So when I tell my wife I'm going to be there at 5, in my wife's mind, that means 4.55. In my mind, it means anywhere between 5.15 and 5.37. Fair? It's just how it works. And my wife could go and change every clock in the house. She could change my watch. She could try to crack the code to AT&T and change my cell phone somehow. But I still would find a way to be 15 minutes late. It's just the way I am. So when we first got married, this was a little confusing to my wife. Because I'd say, you know, hey, I'll be there at 5. And uh, 4.55 comes along. And she's like, well, what's going on here? Bob said he'd be here at 5. And then the longer, you know, we got married, she understood that when I say I'm going to be there at 5, it is a window between 5.15 and 5.37. So I'll be there. But as we've grown in our marriage, so has her trust and her faith in me. So when I say I'm going to be there, it means I'm going to be there. Even if it looks like I'm not on time, I'm going to be there. And we've been married for 12 years now, and she knows when I say I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. And our faith and trust continues to grow in that relationship. Same is true with like father and son. You look at like a father and son, and you know, a dad knows how to tie shoes a lot better than his kid. My son Dylan, it's like, Dylan, 
Let me show you how to tie shoes, man. Or let me show you how to throw a football really well, you know. But they seem to think they know how to tie shoes and throw footballs better than you. And they don't. Kids don't understand it. And the older they get, they, you kind of have some of these breakthrough moments. And they start realizing, you know what? Dad knows what he's talking about. He knows some things. I can put my trust and I can put my faith in him. <clears throat> and then those kids become teenagers and it all regresses. And they turn into infants because they think they know everything once again. Right? And they don't. I hear that's a bad moment. So uh, Dylan's still not a teenager yet, but we'll get there. So faith and trust grows in a relationship. And our relationship with God, it was broken all the way back at the beginning. You go back to Genesis. It was broken with Adam and Eve because of a decision by them not to trust God. And ever since the time of Adam and Eve, God has been re-engaging He's been pursuing. He's been on a mission to re-engage with you and re-engage with me in a relationship based on faith and trust in God. And just as our connection with God back in Genesis was broken because of a lack of trust, today our relationship is re-engaged and the premise of our relationship with God is based on our faith and our trust in him. That he is who he says he is, and he's going to do exactly what he promised to do. I can always remember growing up, you know, you look around and you scan the room. And you see people that you would say, you know what, that person there, that's a strong Christian. And when I look at people that were strong Christians in their lives, <clears throat> there was something that marked all of them. And my mom was one of those people. My mom is somebody that I would call a strong Christian. <clears throat> and I remember growing up, no matter what it was that we were facing... Her response always, I mean always, my mom's response was, no matter what, whether it was good or bad, pretty or ugly, her response was, well, let's just trust God. Sometimes it drove you crazy as a kid. Maybe you had a grandma like that or something and say, oh, let's just trust God, you know, it's going to be okay, baby, let's just trust God. And it can try to kind of drive you crazy, but they've got this great big faith and trust in God. My mom was watching the, uh, <clears throat> the 830 service, and she sent me a text message afterwards, and she said this. Uh, she said, you know, great job, well done. Then she said, God is faithful, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. God is faithful. She's just one of those types of ladies. God will make a way. She'd say, here's a Bible verse that has to do with this situation that you're going through. And she was a woman of faith. And it was as a result of that great faith and that great trust in God that she was a woman who joyfully, she walks out life living the way God's called us to live in obedience, the good and the bad, trusting in this living Savior. Maybe you've had someone like that in your life. Maybe it was a boss or a pastor, a co-worker, maybe it's your grandma, this picture of living, active, big faith. And it gets our attention, doesn't it? People that have that kind of faith. In fact, it was the only time recorded in the Bible that Jesus was amazed. The story of Easter, we're kind of in that right now with Pastor Mark's series on Matthew. We see all these things about people being amazed at Jesus. Well, there was one time recorded in the New Testament where it says that Jesus was actually amazed. Something made him step back and say, whoa, check that out. Something got his attention. So what was it? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It says this, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Now the centurions, these are the bad guys at this point in the Bible. These are the Romans, 
and they are not good to the Jewish guys. So they're walking around, and the centurion had 100 guys that were underneath him, 100 guys that answered to him. So if he told these 100 guys, hey, go stand guard over at this post, these 20 guys would go stand guard. And if he told another 12 guys, hey, go make me a sandwich, 12 guys were making the centurion a sandwich. I would love a great sandwich right now, by the way. Man, the one that you got to eat with like a knife and a fork. Real good sandwich. So if you had like a dozen guys, you could just be like, make me a sandwich. They'd make you a sandwich. That'd be cool. And then if he told the rest of the guys, go get that guy, put him in chains, and go make him disappear. They made 12 guys go disappear, right? They would go do that, and they'd be swimming with the fishes. So they answered to the centurion. So the centurion approaches Jesus, and he says this. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. So the disciples have got to be thinking, oh, come on, Jesus, no way. These are the Romans. Let's go be about something better than this. Let's not help this guy. But Jesus responds to him and said, shall I come with, heal him? And the centurion replies, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word. Listen to that. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. He says, for I myself, I'm, I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. I say, this one, do this, and he does that. And when Jesus heard this, what does it say he was? He was amazed. This amazed Jesus. It was trust and faith that got Jesus' attention to make him say, whoa, look at this. This is amazing. He goes on to say that there was no one in all of Israel that had this kind of faith displayed. Faith and trust in God gets his attention. And it gets ours as well. We love it when we see someone trusting God in the middle of a battle. Someone that's going through some serious sickness or just lost a job. And their response is, let's trust God. It gets our attention. I don't care if you serve God or not. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I'm not even a Christian. There's something about somebody that lives that way that gets the attention of us. And it got the attention of God. We love it when we see a young man or a young woman in high school serving God even though it's hard. Doing the right things even though it's hard. And it gets our attention. They've got confidence in God and they don't live in fear. So the first question to look at today is this. What does it mean to grow as a disciple? Well, it's growing in faith and trust that God is who he says he is, and he's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do, and that we respond to that in life, in worship, and obedience, and sacrifice to that faith in God. So the second question is this, how then do we grow as a disciple? How do we develop in our relationship with God? How do we become all that he's created us to be? Or you could say it like this, how does our faith grow? So with the rest of our time together, I want to give us five things that I believe are important. They're momentous in your life that will help you grow as a disciple, that will help you become all that God's created us to be, that will help grow your faith in your life. And these aren't things we can just do. These aren't like a to-do list where you can check it off in a box. But these are things that we kind of lean into. We lean into these things that we respond by saying, yes. That we've got a position in life where we're saying, God, where are you moving? We've got hearts that are open. We've got eyes that we can see with. That we're looking to see where God is moving. So this isn't meant to be an exhaustive list either. You might say, you know what, Bob, at the end of this, I think there's six. Or seven's a very holy number. I think there should be seven steps or whatever it is, but that's fine. So here we go. The first one is this. Teaching. When you examine the faith stories of people who are strong Christians... 
you're going to find that at some point in their story, they received teaching in their life that was transformative to their spiritual journey. They received some teaching. My mom could tell stories of preaching and teaching in her life that really transformed her relationship with God. There were small groups, Bible studies, these various things of teaching about Christ that transformed our lives. Romans 10 and 17 says this. Consequently, faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing the message. The message is heard through the word about Christ. Remember Matthew 28, the Great Commission. He's talking about going and making disciples. And he says this, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. So let me encourage you, come to church and come to church often and get ready to listen, get ready to learn. And for some of you, maybe this isn't all of you, it doesn't fit every life, but for some of you it might mean joining up with a life group. Joining up with a small group of people getting together during the week to talk about the things of Christ, to do life together. For some of you, maybe it means starting a life group. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, well, I don't know what life group I would join. Well, do you have five or six friends? Maybe you want to invite them and say, hey, how about every other Tuesday we go eat lunch, the five of us, and we'll talk about the things of God. Getting together and talking about things. Maybe it means inviting someone to coffee after church, eating lunch with somebody, doing these types of things, but engaging in life with other people. And let me encourage you with this. Join the conversation and join the application of Sunday's messages in your life. Uh, Pastor Joe Greer, every Sunday night, uh, creates this thing called Engage Notes. So by Monday afternoon on the city, on our church website, on Facebook, at every single one of our campuses, we've got this thing called Engage Notes. And it's all about being able to engage with what was preached on Sunday. So it takes the theme from Sunday's message and it breaks it down into four, five, six questions that you can take and start to invest into your life and apply into your life. And it's got some things that you can pray about. And it's got seven Bible verses that you can read that apply exactly to what was preached on Sunday, one for every day of the week that you can take and you can start drilling into your life and applying what was preached on Sunday. You can do this by yourself. You can do it with your spouse. You can do it with your kids. You can do it with your life group. You can do it with the other ushers or greeters or kids church guys you can get involved and engage with Sunday's message and technology is amazing every sermon that's preached here is available for free for free online so I know a lot of you still like to buy CDs and that's great but for everyone else it's free it's free Every week, we put up Sunday's messages for free, and it's on our website. You can download the Celebration Church app. You can watch it. You can listen to it. The engage notes are attached to the videos. All these great things to help you dig into more and more teaching that'll help grow your faith. And we're so what? I tell you what, we're so blessed to have Pastor Mark as our lead preaching and teaching pastor here at Celebration Church, aren't we? Such a blessing. He is a world-class communicator that makes it easy to listen to preaching. A lot of people come to Celebration Church just because, man, I can understand what the guy is saying. And you can get preaching. And there's not a sermon that goes by that I tell you what, that I don't get something out of. That there's not something that I can work on in my life. Really good preaching is practical. It's not just about information. It's about transformation. It's about being challenged in your life. And you're going to walk out of Sundays here at Celebration Church being challenged. And there's lots of great Bible studies and other teachers and preachers out there. Great, great stuff. So number one is teaching. Number two is this. Spiritual disciplines. Remember that song a lot of us sang as kids? 
Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. Let's all sing it together. Ready? All the campuses. <gasps> Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. Grow, grow, grow. It's true. That song you sang as a kid is true. Read your Bible, pray, and you grow. There's something about disciplines in our lives that help us grow in our faith. Somewhere in everyone's faith journey, you begin to grow as a disciple and you begin to pray. With our words, with our mouths moving, we begin to dialogue with God. Somewhere along the line, the Bible becomes alive. Maybe you're here today and you would say, I'm not even a Christian. Let me encourage you. Pray. Read the Bible. Try these things. See if God doesn't begin to work in your life. And for many, this is especially true with guys, there's an actual spiritual discipline of giving of our finances. Giving financially for a lot of guys is when they would say, you know what, that's when I really began to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's something about money that loves to get on and just choke the life out of guys. And when they begin to give, God begins to move in their lives. And there's, the list goes on and on and on. Somewhere along the line, somebody taught you how to fast. But the life of faith always includes practices in our lives that help faith to grow. It's like lifting weights. If you want to be like Arnold, you got to lift weights, right? You got to lift weights. Uh, I've experienced the atrophy of not lifting weights in my life before. After having my fourth kid, it became very difficult to exercise. So I just recently started exercising again, and two weeks ago, man, it's been like four months. I did, did legs for the first time, and I couldn't walk for like a week. And now I've got Achilles tendonitis. It's not fun. So, but when you lift weights on a regular basis, you begin to develop muscles. And your spiritual life is the same way. As you put these regular practices in your life, you begin to grow spiritually. You stop doing it, you begin to atrophy. And you got to take a look at your life and say, what do I need to do to continue to grow? Jesus gives us a few of these in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, you can look it up later, but he talks about doing these things in secret. It's about you and God. It's about you having something in your life. He says, giving to the needy. He says, do it in secret. Talks about prayer. He says, do it in secret. Talks about fasting. He says, do this in secret. Again, the engage notes are a great tool for putting disciplines in your life, giving you some Bible verses to study, some things to think about, some things to pray about in your life. Uh, at every single one of our campuses, this winter we'll be doing a midweek teaching on the spiritual disciplines. We'd encourage you, come, be a part of that teaching and learn about spiritual disciplines. We'll give you a workbook to go through, all these different things to help you engage with practices in your life that'll help you grow. So the first one was teaching, second one was spiritual disciplines, the third one is this, service. When you examine the faith stories of people, you're going to see somewhere along the line, they responded and said yes. When there was an opportunity to go on a missions trip, they said yes. Maybe they thought they weren't even qualified. Maybe they just became a Christian that day and someone talked about a missions trip. Well, you're qualified. We want you to go. You can be a missionary too. And somewhere along the line, line, you said yes to being an usher or a greeter or working in kids' ministry, leading a life group. Somewhere you responded to the call to serve. This is on-the-job training, this is sacrifice, and this is about being the body of Christ. And here at Celebration, across all of our campuses, there's such a big variety of ways to get connected. And if you're not finding it, let me encourage you, open your eyes and, man, hit up your campus pastor and talk to him about how you can get connected at the church. Get together and meet with him.
And when we do this, our faith is built. And we're also positioning ourselves to be there for somebody else. And God has always stretched people's faith by calling them into service. We see it in the life of Moses and Joshua, Gideon, Paul, the disciples. He was always calling people, even when they didn't feel like they were ready, even when they felt like they were ill-equipped, even when they felt like they weren't the right person. God was always calling people into service and growing their faith. For here at Celebration Church, this starts with our little kids. We start all the way at TNT at all of our campuses. My son Dylan, he loves to get into TNT and he gets to volunteer on the computer like once a month and he just loves it. He'll come to church early with me that morning so he can get on the computer and do the pro presenter deal. And they learn how to be ushers and greeters and just get connected. And it grows their faith. It really, really does. We'd encourage our young people, our students, the high school, junior high guys, man, Help be an usher. Help us get communion ready in the morning. Help greet. Be a part of the life of the church. And as we do this, as leaders of these areas, bring along these young people. As we encourage this as parents, as our young people begin to participate in this, it builds and grows your faith in life. There's something about service that does that for us. So we had teaching, spiritual discipline, service. And the fourth one is this. God moments in relationships. If you're serving God today, there were people in your life that God placed there at the right time to move you towards faith. Maybe it was in a moment of crisis. Maybe it was in a moment of questioning. Maybe it was just a random conversation, but there were some people in your life that really had an opportunity to speak life into you. This is why on Sunday mornings when we say the Apostles' Creed, part of that is we believe in the fellowship of believers. This is the why of doing life with people of faith. Hebrews chapter 10 says this in verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We need to do life with other people of faith. And as parents, again, remember I said this isn't like a to-do list. Like you can't just do God moment relationships. This is about having a posture that's open to these types of relationships. And as parents, we can put our kids in positions to have these types of relationships in their lives. We can have them participate with things at church. We can have them be a part of camps and different ways where they can build these types of relationships with other kids, with other leaders, with other teachers. For some of you, maybe it's volunteering in those kids' areas or in those youth areas so that you're positioning yourself to speak into another generation. This is why at every church, and especially here at Celebration, we need more leaders, we need more life groups, we need more relationships. And this isn't something that the church can just manufacture. This isn't something that we can just create, right? This, we can't force relationship. But we can work to create space for this to happen, whether it's in life groups or service groups, these different areas. But this is all about you. This is all about you having an open posture and leaning into relationships with other people. It's important. Saying yes to the call to lead. Saying yes to the call to serve. Saying yes to joining a life group. Saying yes to your kids getting involved with opportunities. This is inviting someone to coffee after church during the midweek. Getting to know somebody. Saying, hey, what's your name? And this is having lunch with somebody. This is doing life together. So lastly, number five, key life circumstances. And these can be the good and the bad things in life. Often it's the loss of a parent or the tragic death of a child or a serious car wreck, uh, 
uh, Phil Gunger, Pastor Mark's son, he can tell stories. I think he's had like five or six car wrecks that made him turn back to Jesus um, uh, growing up. And, and there's things in life that really puts the brakes on you, cause you to turn your head. And for many of us, we turn our face to God. And a lot of you, that's how you ended up being a part of church and growing as a disciple. Is something happened in your life that got your attention. Or it can be a good thing, like the birth of a child. It's a great thing. Uh, you got this new mom and this new dad, and a baby never made him want to come to church before. They probably been to churches where babies are crying, and they thought that was a good reason not to go to church. Just one more good reason not to go. And then all of a sudden, they have a baby, and they're holding this thing, this living thing that they helped to create. And they're saying, you know what? Man, we got to teach this kid how to tie his shoes. We got to teach this kid how to throw a football. We got to teach him how to read and how to write and how to be respectful of authority and all of these different things. And, oh, man, we don't want our kid to turn out to be an axe murderer. We don't want our kid to turn out to be a black tar heroin dealer. If you're not aware of that, that's the bad stuff, man. And you don't want your kids getting involved with that stuff. So you think, you know what? We probably ought to teach this kid something about God. So this new mom looks at this new dad and says, do you know anything about God? And he says, I don't know anything about God. And he looks over at her and says, well, do you know anything about God? And she says, I don't know anything about God. So they say, maybe we ought to go to church so this kid can learn something about God. A lot of you, that's your story. You had a kid and you thought, man, we better go to church and make sure this kid learns something about God. Things in life stop you in your tracks and it makes you turn your face towards God. Again, these aren't something you can do, but it's all about how you respond in these moments. Will you trust God? Will you say God is faithful? Or will you turn away from God? James chapter 1 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Again, these can be good trials or bad trials. Having a baby is a great thing, but it is a trial. It can be good things or bad things because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for all the campuses, everyone that's joining us today. God, and I pray that we would be people that would respond well to teaching that we would begin to grow as disciples, that we would find these opportunities in spiritual disciplines like prayer and reading the Bible and giving, fasting, these different areas, God, that you've called us into to develop and grow our faith. Lord, I pray that people would find service, a place to get connected, a place to sacrifice, a place to give, a place to be the body of Christ. Lord, I pray for supernatural, divine relationships. Lord, and help us create space for those in our lives. And God, I pray that as we face the key circumstances of life, God, that we would respond well in those moments, the way you've called us. And that through faith, God, we begin to live a life of obedience to you out of great joy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks, guys. Amen.